Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Get ready for a heart shift. Get ready for breakthrough. Get ready for a different way you see God's character. But have expectancy. If you don't have any any expectancy, when people had no expectancy, Jesus couldn't do any miracles. So have an expectancy for the next four weeks. Think about Jesus' prayer life. I love thinking about Jesus' prayer life. He often withdrew to lonely places. I mean, you'd think he wouldn't need to pray because he was God. But he prayed all the time. He says, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He taught his disciples how to pray. He taught us how to pray honestly. He commanded, he asked, he healed, he wrestled. And his last words on this earth before he died was a prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. James 5, it says, is the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous person, that's someone in right standing with God, that's a Christian, will accomplish much. It is dynamic and have tremendous power. So whatever you do in your life, don't get cynical, discouraged and think God doesn't answer prayer. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, answers prayer still today and your best prayers have still to be answered. That's what I think. That's what I say. We are doing a challenge uh, this week. We're doing a challenge every week. This week's is rise, eat and pray. So we're challenging you to rise in the morning, eat, get your brekkie, your wheat fix. What do you have for brekkie, Perry? Eggs on toast. Very good. Protein. Um, Have your brekkie and then pray. And what do you want to pray for? What is on your heart? You can't pray for the whole world, but something that is in your heart this week, write it in your phone, write in your notes and pray. Rise, eat and pray. All right, the title, I'm doing this type of prayer. There's so many types of prayer. I'm doing thankfulness, our secret weapon. So let me ask you this. Are you a glass half full person or a glass half empty? Did you used to be a glass half full and now you're a glass half empty? Two big thoughts from scripture. God wants us to do and say everything out of an attitude, out of a motive of gratitude. He wants gratitude, like you were saying, Liam, to be a lifestyle. That's the first thought. The next thought is he wants us to actually be intentional and thank him for specific things. I'm quite good at the last thing. I'm quite good at thanking him for specific things. But I haven't always got an attitude of gratitude. So I'm preaching to me tonight. So I've got another challenge for you. You've got two challenges this week. I want you in the most annoying thing that happens to you this week. So we've all got annoying things. The annoying, one of my annoying th- things is when you ring people and they say, put you on hold. And it's just hold for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and you think if they've forgotten. And then what about when it clicks off? And you've got to start again. Do any of you, when that happens, say, thank you, Jesus, for teaching me patience? Yes, good. I didn't want anybody to. People in the 8 o'clock might, but I knew the 5 p.m.s would be with me. It wouldn't let me down. All right, so in the thing that most annoys you this week, Aldi checkout, whatever it is, I want you to remember Rosé's words, and instead of swearing or getting hassled, go, thank you, Jesus. All right. Our challenge is that we are immersed in a culture that is opposite to thankfulness, that is opposite to gratitude. We have a culture of victimness, 
being entitled, there is not enough, lack, complaining, that is our culture. But the kingdom, come, kingdom culture, let me tell you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to meet a complainer. Someone's not going to whinge to you about something. They're not going to say, oh, there's not enough here, Liam. There's not enough in heaven. You've got to go back to earth and bring some more. The kingdom of God, there is always enough. It is joy and contentment and thanksgiving. That is the culture. And that is the culture of Macquarie. Amen. Luke 17, we read that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Ten lepers come out to him. And he says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Well, how many do you think came back and said, thank you? Only one. And when the one came back, Jesus said, I thought I prayed for ten. I thought ten of you came to me, but only one has come back. So Ros there has deduced from this story that the statistics of people that say thank you really are only usually 10%. So most people have got a bend towards non-thankfulness. Really only very few people have a bend toward thankfulness. Did I say that right? Yeah, good. Um, Thessalonians 5.16, you all know this scripture. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When you're a pastor, lots of people come to you and they say, Ros, what is the will of God for my life? Is it to go to Mongolia and be a missionary? Is it to do this or to do that? But that is the will of God for your life right there. Forget about going to Mongolia and being a missionary. Start with have, having a thankful attitude. Gratitude and thankfulness have a long list of rewards and benefits. Did you know that? Here are some of the rewards. Some of these are from what doctors and scientists say. You can take my word for that. It improves your brain and physical health. The doctors say that gratitude is the healthiest emotion that you can have. It improves your sense of well-being. It helps you sleep better. It's an antidote to toxic emotions. Tonight, when you can't go to sleep, go to bed thinking of things that you can be thankful for God to. It defeats anger, sadness and fear. You can't hold thankfulness in your heart at the same time as you are angry, fearful or anxious. It improves relationships. You want better relationships? Be grateful. Express gratitude to family, to your boss, to your teacher, to the checkout person. I was talking to a guy the other day, a boss in our church, and he said this interesting thing. He said, Ros, I was interviewing young people for a job the other day and this guy, we we're only five minutes into the interview, and he said, can you tell me the perks in this job? And in his brain he thought, interview over, bomb, bomb. So let me tell you, young people, next time you go for an interview, it doesn't matter how the interview goes, say thank you for this chair, thank you for this office that I'm in, thank you for everything you do for this business. The opposite culture opens doors, makes friends and gives you favour. Over and over and over and over again I have seen that in my life, people with thankfulness, God opens the doors. It's evidence of maturity. You want to know how spiritually mature you are? Mature you are. It is a direct correlation to how much gratitude you have. In Colossians 2, 6, 7, it says this, Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to, li continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him and firm in your faith, just as you were taught, overflowing, overflowing with thankfulness. 
Overflowing with thankfulness marks maturity. The more grateful, the more mature. Actually, it is the sign that maturity is, is, the, is also how much hope you have. They're linked. Hope and gratitude are linked. And when you go through a tough time, if you can still have hope, it shows that your character is being formed and you have maturity. It pleases God and brings blessing to God. You all have a language of love. A language that you like to be loved with. They say there are five love languages. Affirmation, gifts, serving one another, physical touch and quality time. Yes, I can never remember that one because that's not mine. Isn't that bad? But it's Mark's. So we all have a different love language and we all love to be loved differently. You know, I am not, never write me a card that says to Roz from Courtney. Because Roz is a words of affirmation person. And you know, when we have a family thing or I just, I love speeches. I'm one of those weird people that you go to the wedding and I can't wait for the speeches to happen. And I get really grieved if they don't affirm. And you know, if people don't tell me they love me, well, I don't know that you love me. But Mark's is quality time. And he likes to be listened to. He doesn't like to me to, for me to be distracted by my phone. He wants me to give him all of my attention. But what is God's love language? Have you ever thought about that? What is God's love language? How does he love to be loved? I'll tell you. In Hebrews 13, it says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. My thought is this, that two of God's top love languages are when we praise him. He's a words of affirmation, God. And when we love one another. When we serve one another, that's what puts a smile on God's face. In the Bible, there are 12 ways that we are taught to express thanks to God. In fact, in the scripture, the Bible talks about giving thanks to God 400 times. That, that's how you know it's the culture of the kingdom, 400 times. But there's 12 ways to express thanks to God in the Bible, but tonight I want to look at the top four. Are you ready? You're going to be a bit surprised. The first one is singing back to God. God is a singing God. The Bible says he sings. He sings love songs over you. Zephaniah 3, 17 says this. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And he doesn't sing the same song over you as he does over me. He sings songs over you. You probably haven't been sung over since you were a baby. Because mums sing over babies. But God is a singing God. And he sings over you. Hey, there's Liam. And doesn't he look good tonight? And no, I'm not God, but... And it doesn't matter which way he wears his cap. I love him anyway. Now that that you just heard, that was a broken, out of tune song. You know, God is not going to sing like me. God's song is perfect. It's not broken. It's joyful. And he 
made music. And you and I are made in his image. Rhinoceroses aren't made in his image. Worms aren't made in his image. They don't like music. But you and I are made in his image. And he wants to hear your voice. He doesn't want to just hear Jess's voice and Adrian's voice. He wants to hear your voice because he made your voice. So sing to him. Sing to him. Don't be embarrassed. If you're embarrassed, let me tell you, that's pride. Sing to him. And I've got to tell you something else. In Psalm Psalm 96, it says this, sing to him a new song. He gets tired of all the songs. I know we've got great songwriters, but sometimes he goes, no, Roz, sing a new song. And I've I've asked the musos later tonight to sing a new song. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to make sense. Your song can be as random as ever. It can be monotone. Bible says sing a new song. Create an atmosphere over yourself with a song. You know when the musos go all spontaneous and you think, what are they doing? The words are up there. There's no words. They're singing. Do you know what you can do? You can sing a new song to God. They're giving you a chance to sing a new song. Let me tell you this great scripture. In Colossians 3.16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, exhorting one another with all wisdom singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, all with grace in your hearts to God. That's what's so good about coming together. It's great to watch telly online, to watch church online, but when we come together, what do we do? We have a collective sound. We sound incredible. We sound so good. All right. The second way we can give thanksgiving is what we did tonight, the thanksgiving cup, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance for me. When we take communion, we are remembering what he did. And we are giving thanks. That's why he said, do it as often as you come together. Remember me. We take the bread. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you that it cost you. Thank you that when you hung on that cross, grace was poured out to me. Thank you when you died on the cross. You took my sin. You took my shame. I was redeemed. I was restored. I was justified. I was glorified. I am seated on the right hand of the Father. I was forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For all of those things, the word Eucharist is a word that they use in the Catholic Church for communion. And the Greek word is this, thanksgiving. So that's what communion is. It's giving thanks for what he did for us and what he gave. The third one is intentional thanksgiving. Psalm 104 says this, I will enter his gates with whinging and complaining. Sometimes we have to. It's just been too bad a day. But it says this, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give him thanks. Praise his name. And that's why often in church, and we did tonight, we start with a praise song. Because what are we doing? We're saying, come on, church. We're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to enter his presence with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we're positioning ourselves with praise and it wakes us all up. That's right. We're not thinking about me. We're thinking about you, God. It gives us a consciousness of God and not ourselves. 
That's why it's so good to start with thanksgiving. God says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thankfulness ushers us into his presence. It gets our eyes off disappointments, discouragement. It gets our eyes on him. It reminds us about who he is. It puts us in an atmosphere of faith. It shows an expression of thanks. It opens our hearts. Because you've got to come to God with faith. He responds with faith. A mustard seed of faith. So come with faith. And that's what thanksgiving does. It gives us a clearer spirit so you can have an encounter with God. And it's actually not a suggestion. It's a mandate. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The Bible teaches us many things we can be thankful for. So I've got to tell you this, church. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You don't always come to church thinking, feeling great. But you choose a great encourager there. Great. But we choose. That's what the sacrifice is. I choose to be thankful. Here's some things you can choose to be thankful for. Psalm 139. You are the one who put me together. What a great job you did, God. Inside my mother's body. And I praise you because I am the wonderful way that you created me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me tell you, just before I went into breast cancer surgery few months ago they were just about to give me the jab and knock me out and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me two things but the second thing he said was this repent for rejecting your body because if you've been in the church you know that I don't like my hair and I think my neck's too long and there's a few other things I won't go into detail but he gave me a sober command He said, you need to repent because I made you fearfully and wonderfully made and the human body is glorious and it doesn't matter if you weigh 100 kilo or 45 kilo, you've got a 10-foot neck or a 2-inch neck. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and I didn't make a mistake. You try and make a body from nothing. You can't do it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is what else he said to me. Don't ever speak to your body harshly again, Ros. He said, speak kindly to yourself. So I say to my neck, neck, you are glorious. You've got a glorious neck, Roz. Thank you that he answers prayers and saves us, Psalm 118. Lord, I thank you for answering me. You have saved me. That he forgives us, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his kind deeds. He's the one who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And thank him that he is good and his love never stops. Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I heard this story from Corrie Ten Boom. She survived a concentration camp and this is what she says. Often I have heard people say, how good is God? We pray that it would not rain for our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good. When he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. Everything around us was dark and there was darkness in my heart. And I remember telling Betsy that I thought God had forgotten us. No, Corrie, said Betsy. He has not forgotten us. 
Remember his word, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. There is an ocean of God's love available. There is plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt the victorious love that never ends. And the last thanks as the musos come is costly thanks. In the tough times, you know, when my dad died, I was in grief. I love my dad. And a couple of days after he died, I was praying and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said these words. He said, I want you to worship me. And I did. In, in my brokenness, I worshipped him. You know, thankfulness is a secret weapon. And in the tough times, in the loss, the grief, the lack, the suffering, the trial, when you can thank him, you move into a trusting zone. And it doesn't have to be loud. It can be the smallest mustard seed of thank you, God, that you love me. I can't feel it, but thank you. I believe that you did. You move into the ground that, that says this, God, you can use this for good. I don't know how you will use it for good, but I trust that you will put this into my tapestry of life because God uses the dark threads and the light threads for your tapestry. And the dark threads even more so than the light, I think, give him glory. But he can only use it if you get a spirit of trust and thankfulness. Remember John 6 Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He only had five loaves and two fishes. And it says this, Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the bread to those who were seated. Jesus gave, holding not enough, with the 5,000, thanks. When you're holding not enough, look at what you've got and give thanks. And Jesus and God was able to multiply and bring abundance. There were leftovers. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, on Jesus' toughest day, it says this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, as Paul speaking, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He poured his life into 12 disciples for three years. And on that night, one decided to betray him and sold his friendship for Jesus. His position with Jesus, his future, his apostolic calling for 30 pieces of silver. But Jesus was still able to give thanks. And because he was able to give thanks, God could use what was about to happen in the next 24 hours. Giving thanks in our toughest times is this. We are allowing God to use everything. We are saying, God, everything is usable. This situation, this person is in your hands and you can use it in my life for your glory. In Exodus 3, we read that God heard his people's cry that were enslaved, 
by the Egyptians. I'm going to finish with this scripture. So he's looking for a person and he calls Moses. Moses has spent 40 years in the desert. But before he talks to Moses, there's a burning bush. He says to Moses this, Exodus 3, God said, do not approach any closer. So Moses is standing there, the burning bush is there, and he hears a voice out of the burning bush, and God says this, do not approach any closer. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place you are standing is holy ground. And I have this sense that before God was going to speak to Moses and say, Moses, you need to lead my people, you're the man. He said, you need to take your sandals off, Moses. Because on the bottom of those sandals is 40 years of desert, is 40 years of discouragement, disappointment, a fair bit of whinging, a bit of doubt. Can you use me, God? You'll never use me again, God. What's happening with the Egyptians? But I can't do anything. But God was saying, before I speak to you, Moses, you've got to take that off. He takes his sandals off and God speaks. So tonight, we're going to sing this beautiful song on gratitude. And I believe God is going to do, have an encounter with you. This is a beautiful song, a heaven-sent song for such a time as this. And this is how it's going to play out. I've asked one of the musos, one of the worship leaders to sing a song. And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And in this song, I want you to do a little moment with God. You might have to take your sandals off or start processing some disappointment. But by the end of the song, I want you to be full throttle thanking Him. Let's get a sound of thanksgiving in this house. Let's get a sound of faith and enter His courts with thanksgiving. Let's give God... Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.